I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC and Aaron Fintel discuss the used forage harvester market. Before we head over to Casey, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Primus by Basic Software, for making this podcast possible. Are you tired of not having the ability to access your business outside of the office? Previous by Basic Software Systems is a web-based responsive software that puts your business in your hands with full access from anywhere, anytime. No limited apps and no other connections required, just internet access. Wouldn't you love to see the data you want with one simple click or tap? With Premis, customize your views to show exactly what you want to see when you want to see it. And the system's multiple layers of data allow you to go deeper with your information. Premis truly is your business system in your pocket. To learn more, visit www.basic-software.com slash Premis. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Okay, let's get things going. Here's Casey and Aaron discussing choppers and what's happening in that market. We, as usual, kind of brainstorm what we're going to talk about this week. And one thing hot on everybody's mind right now is... Choppers. Choppers is one of those things that we've talked about a few times, but not not a bunch. Um, not spend a lot of time on it because it's a very niche marketplace, right? If you're if you're buying a chopper, there's only two things you're going to do to it: either you're going to chop corn or haylage, or drive it through a pack of zombies during a zombie apocalypse. That'd be the other best thing to do. With or that. drive it around, drive it around, and be cool. And yeah, just because they're so badass, you could be driving alongside the road and and go down and mow down the ditch and spray the spray the stuff that you've chopped through the ditch there onto the road as someone as your friends drive by absolutely you know what I mean that'd be Perfect. kind of a, a good thing but that is something I would totally ask to do <laughs> absolutely wouldn't, wouldn't we all but <laughs> nonetheless nonetheless I think choppers are going to be a hot topic as we look and see what's happening here so there's a lot of a lot of things that are pointing towards the direction that choppers might have might have a hope and a prayer this year and two things one is the winter kill action that we've watched so far um, come out of well, I guess there's no really we haven't really seen the winter kill yet because nothing's come, nothing's emerged out of dormancy yet when it comes to wheat. But suspected winter suspected kill. winter kill is the best way to put that. So when you have uh, below zero temperatures, and I mean like 20 below, 30 below, you know, 40 below, and in, in some of these areas where you've had some uh, some in the wheat belt, and you start looking at. Uh, the lack of snow cover and those kind of things. And as we start heading into a, a, a dry spring, um, there could be some some drought situations that we see in the corn, the corn belt if things don't start to kind of swing dramatically. So I guess as you start looking at how you're positioning yourselves with, with equipment, a chopper might be one of those things that you might want to say start paying attention to just because of the way crop may produce. So correct. Aaron, what's your, what are your thoughts on that synopsis I just laid out there? Yeah, you're exactly right. If I know the we are in the extreme western corn belt or high plains, however you want to look at it, the high plains, the suspected winter kill could be substantially high mm-hmm. in Kansas, and Oklahoma, and yep. eastern Colorado, right? The Texas right. Panhandle, western Nebraska, western Dakota, yeah. So Dakotas, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry guys, there's two. <laughs> as as you look at that, 
if you pay attention to the weather right now, given the we're in what the La Nina, right? La Nina, yes. La Nina. Every time there's a front coming through, it splits the Great Plains pretty much in half. The Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma. And the West doesn't get one drop of moisture. But on the east side of that, they get they're getting fairly steady rains. There's parts of the corn belt that are way too damn wet. Right. We've seen other years start like that. And it'll either flip-flop yeah. or it shuts off the whole way. Yep. And there is nothing that sells faster than a chopper. Yep. Can't give combines away. No. Like every other day. But <laughs> <laughs> but choppers get hot. Yeah. That's what we saw in 12. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, that's yeah. the same thing we saw. We saw, and and we had the pricing uptick at the same oh, time, yeah. too. <clears throat> yep. It's, it's, it's a weird... What would that be? Nine years ago, repeat kind right. of thing, you know. Yeah. Chop and and the thing with choppers is there's they're having it, it's like they're a, they're a little bit more diverse tool than they used to be. You know what I mean? Well, and and I think it, right, a lot more crops that guys are yeah. doing. It's not just oh, you have you can only feed them corn silage, right. you know. Given the other crops and the the flexibility with that, guys adjusting rations and tweaking stuff like that, you have kind of a almost as niche as a ropa, (laughs) right? Yeah, (laughs) you know, you're not you're not going to use it for anything else, right? But that one job is more diverse than it used to be, right? You know, back in like the the field queen days or the fifty eight thirty deer days, you know, yeah. Now I think when you look at what's going on. In, in the in the dairy markets and in the uh, uh, cattle production feedlot type situations that more and more nutritionists are, are weighing in on length of cut those those various very nuanced things that are going to help you know everyone's looking at how fast and how cheap can I can I make gain right right or how fast and how cheap can I make a gallon of milk those kind of things are all starting to play in more and more than they have in the past and we're seeing different applications of these choppers being put in the in a place where they're going to have more and more nuanced niched ideas that come along with them but they're going to be for a broader spectrum of of crop is that right. what i'm saying yep so, yeah well what what do we always talk about on here you love it i make fun of it all the time technology, technology yeah it's the best thing ever those choppers today have an ungodly amount of technology on them. they do Yep. Just obscene, you know, like the take the, the 9000 series, right. you know, with the quote unquote shredlage rolls, you know, right. and and that is because that's not because, hey, let's differentiate ourselves. The industry demanded right. that kind of role because of the 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 guy pulling samples out of the bunker, right. the nutritionist. Yep. He is the one. That's why you have some guys that are, nope, just nick that kernel. Yeah. Nope, pulverize, just turn that whole damn thing to powder. Right. You know? Not only that, but all the, the harvest lab. Yeah. You know? The, Tracking the, nutrients, man. That's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. There's there's just, you know, the, the technology, how you can set that thing up. I mean, you can... It's probably, 
I shouldn't say ahead of a combine, but you don't think of a chopper as like, you, you think of a chopper as this high horsepower, just devour everything. Do not put your hand anywhere near that type of machine. Right. Okay. It's got as much tech as a combine, oh, yeah. as an 8R, as an 9R, if not more. Right. You know, they are, and, and they're awesome machines. Yep. Yeah, they the are. Productivity you get out of that machine, you know, everybody, we, we, we joke about it constantly. Oh, half a million dollar used chopper, smoking deal, you right. know, yeah. smoking deal. Yep. But. You think about the number of tons an hour that you're putting through that. Exactly. How much was a new 5830 back in 88? I don't have a clue, but I guarantee you tons produced yeah. per dollar. Looking at it that way, Tons big breaker versus big difference. Bushels breaker. I mean, that's a big deal. These these machines have got to the point now where they're. I mean, all of ag is kind of turned into this. You know, we need to track everything that we're doing all the way through the the life cycle of that right. of that animal and what that looks like, and then you know more and more of that's going to start heading that way as more and more as as consumer demand starts to focus more on. I want to know exactly what this cow ate that eat organic apples three times a day. I mean, all that kind of crap. I mean, people just want to look at those kind of things and see what happened from a, from a cattle production standpoint, knowing what that herd a has been, been fed and what does that look like? And how did that gain work with this certain set of genetics? All those kind of things start playing into that, that decision-making process. We need to tweak this. We need to tweak that based on past scientific data that they've gathered. You're going to get these kind of things. And I think, that's where the misconception choppers always kind of left in the backside because I don't, the number of choppers produced worldwide, I don't know if it's even 3,000. I mean, I don't, I don't want to know it's not that much. It's like 2,500 maybe. I don't right know. right I don't now know. today on Tractor House, yeah. there are 1,175 self-propelled choppers. Okay. That is That's less than two model numbers of combine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From one brand. Right, yeah. And that's everything, that's everything dude. That's happen. from a fox with yeah. no cab to a ninety nine hundred I. So that's that's less than ten percent of, of the combine population. Yeah, you know what I mean. If you think, I think there's there's roughly fourteen thousand combines in the marketplace, whole industry wide, um, used wide. So you start looking at that. That what'd you say it was eleven eighty five? Eleven seventy five. Eleven seventy five. Eleven hundred seventy five machines. That's less than ten percent. Right. So so now you start looking at that that nuance and how those machines stack up. It's just not one of those machines that people talk a lot about because there's just not a lot of people that are using it that way. Right. You know right. I mean, I mean you're, it's a, again, it kind of goes back to a very niche market. I mean, two things really drive, well, really one thing drives the chopper marketplace, and that's class three milk. You know, I mean, that's going to start dictating what that chopper market looks like as much as the price of cattle and, and how they're going to, how they're going to feed and what that looks like and, and those kind of things. So, but you're right that the, the dairy industry is is driving right is driving the chopper. Market. Dairy drives chopper. Yep. yep. Because that is a lot more finicky. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's feedlot guys that will beyond eyes dotted, t's crossed when they're talking about length of cut and yep. what kind of kernel processing right. yep. you want done. But yeah, the, the dairy absolutely drives that because yeah. that is that is those guys are. I shouldn't say over the top, but they're very, very unbelievably detail-minded. Right. Because every little tiny thing can have a huge impact. Huge impact. In her bag. Yep. You go from making 
whatever, you know, three gallons of milk a day to 3.25 gallons of milk a day, all of a sudden you made it move. Or maybe you need to go backwards and that's, you know, nobody wants to go backwards. So I think, I think there's a lot of things there about choppers that are just misconstrued and, oh my God, these things are so expensive. But yeah, they're expensive for a reason because just like, a, well, like your example of the Ropa, a Ropa is a self-propelled bead harvester, right? It's used in five different places in North America. Right. Five. Five places. And you might have, those five places might be the same number of acres as maybe the entire state of Nebraska. Yeah, It's even that much, right? So now you're starting to look at one machine that does a specific crop. That thing costs a million bucks. Right. Almost a million bucks. So that's, and you're not doing you're not doing anything else with it. Choppers are cheap, you know. Choppers are a bargain <laughs> at that point. But also too, there's a the thing about I think the chopper side of the business too is there's uh, more of those choppers seem like to me now. I could I could this is just my personal opinion as I look at it. But a lot of those choppers are very much re- uh, regulated to uh, relegated sorry to the. Uh, to the custom business absolutely more than you see the individual guy doing it what, it's an acres thing you know it's right like, it's well, tons you made the comment earlier about you know a chopper isn't something that people talk about a lot because not a lot of people have a lot of people are involved oh, yeah. with the chopper but they don't own it right yep. you know these 20 cattlemen all get fed by the same chopper right you know yep. or guys choppers right yeah. So that 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 is a big thing of why there's probably kind of a, a disconnect, you know, that the average crop guy, he he knows it's some big giant expensive thing that you spend a lot on reconditioning every year. Right. You know. Right. But that's that's kind of where it falls off. So yep. yeah. it's not it's not an in your face thing all the time like everybody's other favorite combines. Right. Combines are are there for the world to see everywhere. But everybody, there's, again, you go back and look at, there's, there's still a, a, a large majority of the uh, acres that get cut by custom cutters in some, some extent, you know, right. A lot of guys have a combine and they still hire a customer who'd come in and pick up instead of renting that extra combine or whatever. Exactly. You know, they have a custom guy come through and knock out the other half that they're, that they're not going to be able to get to with their single combine. So I mean, those kind of things happen. You don't see that on choppers. No. No, there's not a guy that's going to like, I got my 9900, but I can sure use two more. So let's go ahead and get this. You know, I'll get two more. No one's doing that. They're like, let's have the custom guy come in, have him knock that out, and we'll we'll be good to go. Yeah. That's, that's We're not even here, and it's right. silage is done. thing about chopper <laughs> business, for the most part, from what I've seen, is either you have a chopper and you chop your own stuff, or you have a custom crew come in. Like there's no, there's very little gray. And the guy who you know, has a chopper and does his own stuff yeah. does not just do his own stuff. Not hardly yeah. ever. Hardly ever. Yeah. At least yeah. a couple neighbors yeah. are going to talk him into right. doing theirs. Right. So it's just one of those machines that people see the value in. People like what they've got. It's it's a great machine, but it's just you know I you know only chop you know this this hundred acres over here right or I only chop this. This, this quarter or whatever, this circle or whatever, and then my other, you know, 22 circles I, I use my combine on. Right. You know, that's, right. That's one so it's one of those things where you look at what what's your, what are you doing with it? What's your feed practice? Are you, are you, some guys are vertically integrated, you know, and they chop their own stuff, and they, most of the stuff they grow is they chop to feed their, their feed lot. 
We'll get back to Casey and Aaron in a moment, but first I wanted to pause to thank our sponsor, Premus by Basic Software. To learn more about what Premus can do for your dealership, visit www.basic-software.com slash Premus. Now back to Casey and Aaron as they continue their discussion of the chopper market and then also get into some discussion of the general ag economy. Some guys relegate those two or three pivots over there and they either the neighbor buys it from them or they're selling it to whomever or whatever it is. I mean, so it's just a it's just a super defined box that you're in right. when you come to choppers. Right. Yeah. All right. Now, we would be remiss if we didn't have the Aaron Fintel deal of the week. Well, it just so happens we have a chopper that I'm, I shouldn't say I'm a big fan of because then it sounds like I'm proud of it and I don't want to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> we do have, we have a wonderful monster chopper. I believe it's an 18. Is that correct? 19. It'd 18. be 19 model 18. year. 18? Yeah. 2018 John Deere 9900 chopper mm-hmm. with 772 head. Mm-hmm. And what is that, 659 pickup? Uh, yeah. 659 pickup, package deal, through the shop, ready to roll. Ready to roll. 535. Shut your mouth. For real. That's, that's 0% for three years, followed by, I believe it's 3.5 for two years. Yeah. Special financing on that rig, and it is, it's currently in the shop. We're in the shop. Yep. Right now. And it that is field ready price, hammer down. Yep. 12 rows of corn. 12 rows at of a time. Yep. And you're going to roll it, up your windows. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Buy, buy a chopper and get an extra truck because you're going to need it. It's it's trucks. trucks. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, so I think I think the chopper marketplace to me, I think there there is going to be, we're going to see some moves this year. Absolutely. That we haven't seen for a while. And nothing sells choppers better than and drought and, and and hail. Right. You know, so those are two of the biggest things out there. So which is kind of funny. We call hail the white combine. A lot of, I don't. A lot of people do. So why isn't the chopper technically the chopper's the white combine? To some extent, yeah. To some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Some guys still go in and try to pick whatever corn's left off of whatever they got, but a lot of guys too. That's their that's their insurance policy, right? Chopper, so absolutely good deal. So, as you let's take a look at we haven't talked about this for a while. So let's just you look at the the economy as a whole right now. Mm-hmm. Crop prices are highest they've ever been, you know, for the past eight years, seven for sure. Right? Um, everyone's got some excitement. Everyone's kind of got this kind of nervous itch to go out and buy a bunch of equipment and. There's still a little or bit some equipment, some equipment, <laughs> and some, and there's still some, <clears throat> there's still some kind of anxious, kind of apprehension to move forward, which I get. You know, everyone's trying to see how yeah. things kind of shake out a little bit, but there's no lack of interest. No, right? there's plenty of people looking for stuff. Lack of interest. There is no lack of interest. There's no lack of sales. The only thing there is a lack of is machinery. Right. One of the tell signs I talk about on here quite a bit that I pay attention to is the auction marketplace, right? Auction market to me is is the canary in the coal mine. It's going to tell you 
everything that you don't want to hear and everything that you want to hear. It's the most honest creature on the planet. Yep. And as you look at what's happening in the auction marketplace right now, from a retail on our lot ready to sell versus stuff going across the auction block, you're just about going to get a better deal going to your local dealer and buying something than you just about. You know it's, I mean? it's pretty close. It's a, it's a pretty fine line. I've seen I've seen plenty of cases yeah. in the last two months where that is I mean carve that in stone. Yeah, it's a it's one of those things where that's when you know the health of the of the overall marketplace is is, an, is a pretty high deal. Right. right, especially when it comes to tractors. I mean, holy crap, tractors. I mean, they're, they're, we. We can't hardly keep them in stock. No. We get them there if they sell as fast as we get them in. Right. So there's plenty of opportunity there when you look at that row crop tractor. If you're in that market to update your tractor, this is a great time to do it. It's a, it's a seller's market and, well, it's a seller's market. I would hate to say there's a seller and a buyer's market, but the buyer's market right now is you're going to get the opportunity to maybe go and look at that new piece that you've been thinking about for a while because of what your trade value looks like and because of the way interest rates are. But also, if you can find that low-hour, late-model tractor to, to can bring into your into your uh, into your fleet, there, the technology that you're going to get is is going to give you a pretty good leap moving forward. Especially when you start looking at planter technology and and seeding technology. If you're uh, if you're you know wheat farmer or something like that, I mean, small. Well, grain. absolutely, and, and we're we're running into here as every day that passes we're running into the new the new 8Rs being late model low hour oh, yeah. you know yeah. and that's what you know we have quite a few listed yeah. that unfortunately are available in June right um, but the calls on those you know everybody right. wants that used tractor but they want the current tractor, right? You know, yeah. you, you have two of them side by side, and oh, well, this one's fifteen thousand cheaper. It's got the same hours, same op, almost the same options. And nope, I want, I want that. I want that new number. I want that new number. Yeah. And you know, why Makes wouldn't sense. you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. If you're if you're spending two eighty, spend three. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, sad, sad to say. I mean, in the grand scheme of things. That twenty thousand bucks isn't really cheap, right? Much, right. I mean, yeah. so it's not like it was when, when that's a five year old tractor. Yeah. You've made you've made up a lot of that. <laughs> right. Plus, you've had the the advanced features and technology for that five years. So, and of it's course. it's not like you know when you had a hundred thousand dollar used combine or used tractor, and then the next one's one hundred twenty five or one hundred thirty five. That's a big difference, right? Right. right. So now you start looking at that. So. My, my feel is, I mean, looking towards, I've, I've had a lot of guys ask me, like, do you feel like we're starting to see a fizzle in, in the marketplace? And I say, you know, I said, I said yes to that to some extent. And I've said no to that to some extent, too. So no is, in my opinion, no, I don't feel the fizzle that I think some people are feeling. I think some guys are pulling back their reins a little bit just to see what's going on. I mean, you come off of a seven-year hard, hard spell, and then all of a sudden you're going to just go all in because you had a a few decent months. Right. And, exactly. And I mean, like I get that. I mean, I get why they're doing that to me. I think what, what I'm worried about for a slowdown is not really so much the economy, the farm economy and crop prices going down. Um, to me, what I see as a, as a, as a pullback is I really have this, this notion that 
a lot of guys that have been on the fence about, am I going to retire? I mean, is this the right time for me to retire? This, that, and the other thing. I mean, I've gobbled up a lot of equity and those kind of things over the last five to seven years. I really think some guys are going to get healed up. They're going to get kind of in a good position again. And they're going to, they're going to, I think a lot of guys are going to retire now. I think we're going to see a lot of, of guys that, that have, that are in that 60 to 70 year range, uh, an age. And they're going to sit back and say, I just went through this last one. I don't feel like I'm going to go through another one. I got my equity back. I'm in a good spot. I'm going to go out and uh, I'm going out with the sunset here. That's exactly right. And we saw that, you know, Tate, you're, you're looking at what are the baby boomers like 15 year period. So the, the earliest boomers, because that's, that's a huge population, right? That's yeah. why they have the baby boomer name. It's, it's our folks. The older one of those, of that generation, they did, they punched out, you know, 14, 15, whatever. The other guys, the younger of that generation is still, you know, fighting it every day and loving it every day and all that. Well, now they're that much older. They've kind of caught up to where those other guys were 10 years ago. Right. Looking at the same thing. Right. You know? Yep. We're, we we hit another up, and we're gonna have eventually have a downside. Have a, have a pretty as the as we crest the hill, if you will, right. and we can tell we've crested the hill. You'll have some yeah. riding into the sunset action. Yes, I pr- think probably substantially. I mean, I think, I mean, I think the next two or three years you'll start seeing that. I mean, I think guys will just they'll, they'll start getting kind of hemmed up, and they're getting they feel like they're in a good spot. They've got some cash now. They'll have that. They'll have that auction. That's going to be the the big the big retirement sale type deal and I think you're going to start seeing more of that over the next two or three years than what we've seen even during the down cycle right I think you're going to see more guys got my cash going home no one's coming back to the farm pack up we're heading for Arizona I'm going to get that $50,000 cut to mow my grass with now there you go absolutely <laughs> so yeah so I think I'd think, like to trade this 8R410 on two 4Rs <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be. Uh, that's that's where I think the slowdown in the used equipment marketplace is going to be as more used buyers get out of the marketplace and start that transition. What does that look like, and how does that affect the flow of used equipment? And it's going to have a big effect on us somehow. I don't know. Always does. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that late model, low hour stuff will always have a home somewhere. Always. I think as you take a look at the big picture, I'm not so much worried about that stuff as I am that seven-year-old, five- to seven-year-old combine and that 10- to 15-year-old tractor. Those are the machines that I'm worried about. Like, what do we do with those? The best place to send those kind of things are it's, it's an international market. And it's not even Mexico anymore, right? It's That's that's not hardly I – mean, you still got the 9600s guys looking for and the 60 series and the 20 series tractor and those kind of things. But what guys are really looking for is that Eastern European marketplace. Right. You yeah. know, that – Sub-Saharan African thing, you know, Asia, those kind of places like that. Those those emerging markets that are turning turning a new leaf over on their agricultural practices, right? Exactly. That's where you're starting to see that hunger and that growth for for those those kinds of equipment. We we sold several pieces of equipment to Kazakhstan, 
We sold pieces and obviously into Eastern Europe, you know, Ukraine obviously is everyone's Africa. Everybody wants to go sell something in Ukraine, you know, so whether it be South Africa or Nigeria, those kind of places where sometimes you think you're getting a, a scam in your email and then you kind of run it down the rabbit hole a little bit. And it's a giant multinational, you know, billions of dollars getting pumped into right. this one little area to, to grow four acres of corn. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, this is that kind of thing. Yep. So, I mean, those, those are the kind of markets that I'm, that I'm paying attention to. And I think as I sit back and I kind of examine and take a step back and look back what's going on, that, that to me makes the most sense is how we're, how we're going to, to develop and grow the used equipment marketplace. Um, in the U.S. and Canada too. I mean, I think it's just the same. It's, there's no difference. No, in, in those markets as far as used equipment. Right. Goes, you know? Yep. Yep. So I, I guess as I look back and see that, I, I, that's my biggest fear: is that what are we, what are we doing with that that third trade? What's that look like? What are we doing with that seventy series, sixty series, fifty series combine? What are we doing with that? You know, twenty that thirty series, that twenty series that's got seven eight. 10,000 hours on it. Right. What are we going to do with those as, as we start heading down this path of autonomy, which we're getting closer and closer every day, the, that used equipment is going to have, is going to be shipped out to other places. And what does that look like? And yep. so that's how I, that's my biggest fear as far as the slowdown goes is how does, how does the retirement, this next wave of, of, of this next generation that retires and the next generation that comes in, how are they going to, functionally look at at used equipment and obviously when someone retires there's nobody else to come back into it somebody else just got that much bigger right you know what i mean so that that's my my vision of how this, the market's going to slow down it's not going to slow down it's just going to change and how do we adapt to that that's what that's what we need to be focused on well and as as dealers we're constantly adapting that's right. all we do that's all you can do yeah if we don't we're not here it's exactly right so but yeah so i think mean, i think there's a between the situations that we see coming up with, uh, with potential drought, potential winter kill, and those kind of things, and then we look at uh, at this evolving generational um, transition in, in farming, we've got we've got our hands full ahead of us. So we need to start kind of pulling pulling some levers and start making some decisions about what what does five years look like from now. And I think there's a lot of dealerships out there and a lot of growers out there that are working with dealerships. That are that are headed down that path, and I think a lot of people are having those conversations now more than what you could imagine. So, oh yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. All right, well, good stuff as usual, Aaron. I think we, we knocked this one in the head. If uh, folks want to reach out to you and get more information about that that super cheap ninety nine hundred, super cheap, super cheap, super cheap. How would they go about doing that? Uh, fairly active on the Twitterverse at Aaron A A R O N Fintail F. Is in Frank I N T E L, or uh, call me or text me 308 760 1193. You can find me, uh, Casey Seymour, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you'll find the latest editions of the Moving Iron podcast. Also, you'll find uh, the Moving Iron blog that I've posted there um, as well. I, I also write that, that article for Farm Equipment Magazine and the Ask the Expert um, section of, the, of their uh, back page of the magazine. I'm not really a an expert to ask, so but it, <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea too. But that's that's about the summation of it. So I would say um, 
If you're really looking for a great podcast to listen to, other than the Moving Iron podcast, which I think is a great podcast, go check out the Dry Line Farmer podcast with Brent and Landon. Those guys are will make you laugh. And um, check out the Moving Iron uh, website at movingironllc.com. And you can get all the latest information about the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 15th to the 17th. Uh, any dealers welcome to come to that. So if you're interested in doing that, either give me a uh, hit me up with an email at moving iron podcast at moving iron podcast.com, or you can go to the website and all the information there is there to how to register and, and, uh, everything like that. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Fennell. Thanks Casey and Aaron. And thanks again to Primus by basic software for sponsoring this podcast. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. Find more from him in the print magazine and on farm-equipment.com slash askthexpert. You can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Aaron, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.